I hope you've been enjoying the series on United, and I, I think it's a fitting way to end today as we talk about what I believe is the object of God's union with us, the reason that He pursues us, the reason that He loves us, the reason that He died for us. It's found in John 15, 12. So I want you to open up your Bibles, John 15, 12. Hope again you guys can join us for our Christmas Eve. I know a lot of times we have family in town or you're traveling, but it's going to be a, a great night of celebration and, uh, and fun. We hope you can come out and be a part of that. But I want to read John chapter 15, verse 11. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. You can follow along on the PowerPoint if you'd like. Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full and complete and overflowing. Full and complete and overflowing. I like the way one translation says it, I have told you this to make you as completely happy as I am, Jesus says. Isn't that good? To make you as completely happy as as I am. Now, I want you to look back with me at that verse where it says, I have told you these things. In other words, he's saying, you know what? The, 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 everything we just talked about, I told you for this purpose. The purpose is so that we could experience the supernatural joy of what it means to be united in intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. The object of our union is joy. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, this is kind of tough because joy is an emotion, and I can't muster up emotion. In fact, I'm kind of stressed out right now, or maybe this is a bad time, or this is a rough season, and you're telling me that, that I'm supposed to be acting in such a way that I find very hard to do right now. I want to say it again. The object of your union with Jesus is supernatural joy to be coming off of your spirit as a lifestyle. Now, this is good news, and I want to show us how we're going to get there. What are these things? You know, he said, I've told you these things so that your joy would be complete and full, overflowing. Let me give you a couple of the things we talked about in the last few weeks. How many of you know part of the reason we overflow with joy is we have a father who fathers us. There are no orphans in this place. There are no orphans sitting here this morning wondering, who am I, where did I come from? You're created by God. You're fathered by God. You're cultivated by God as a vine, as, as branches. You're cultivated with very intentional personal care. You're not alone. I don't know about you. I'm, I, we were singing last night, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. I love the fact that I'm going through life, not by myself, not trying to figure it out. I'm going through life with a father who's watching, a father who cares, a father who hears, a father who helps. That's the nature of what we've been delivered from and into. And so how many of you know those are reasons for joy? Part of our life, and we teach this to men, if you go through hard times, guys, why are you going through hard times? Your heavenly father is trying to teach you and show you his fathering love and affection. And so if we can learn as men, we don't have to figure this out by ourselves. We don't have to try to succeed by ourselves. We don't have to have all the answers. We just need to learn to let God father us. We're in a good place. There's joy because we're fathered. There's joy because we're favored by God. We've been loved and we've been united with Christ. In fact, the Bible says in this passage, Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. What a stunning truth. That the affection that God has for his son, unbridled affection, passionate affection, a committed affection, eternal affection, covenant affection, is the same affection Jesus releases towards us. 
I just want some of you to feel the love of God this morning. Because some of you come from situations, we hear about situations all the time where there's just not a love, where there's not, not a lot of love in the family, not a lot of love in your upbringing, a lot of, not a lot of nurturing in your background. But I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, God is crazy about you. There's a smile on his face when he thinks about you. He's not scowling. He's not angry. He's not frustrated. He is happy. He loves you. He's not tisk-tisking you. He's not saying, oh, Bob, you again, Bob. No, 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 he's not saying that. By the way, you look very Santa Claus-like this morning. I'm trying to emulate you. That beard's looking really good. The, the affection God has for you as a son, mind-boggling. How many of you know it's a reason for joy? Part of the gospel means we get to be loved to life. And as we learn to experience the Father's love and affection, we learn to come to lo- alive on the inside. How many of you know the unconditional love of God is worthy of our response, which is, un, uh, which is joy, overflowing, overwhelming joy? So we're fathered and we're favored. How about this one? We are fruitful, meaning we have been given an incredible purpose in life. We're not here by accident. And how many of you have figured out when you're moving in your gifting and in who God's called you to be, you experience incredible joy? I was standing there. My lovely bride was with me by our, our uh, Merry Christmas cross. And uh, we were having fun together, waving at people, and then she disappeared. This happens all the time. She's, she's like Casper the ghost, you know. She's here one minute, gone the next. And uh, I'm looking around, where is my lovely wife? I didn't realize that she had brought a stash of free Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches with her. And there was this nice total stranger standing there holding a sign, evidently of a store liquidation or a great sale. I don't know which one. But anyway, a total stranger. And I look up. And my wife is in full-blown embrace with this woman, loving on this lady. I just stood there, shaking my head and laughing, because not many people have the gift of embracing in public total strangers. But it's one of my wife's gifts. She's really good at it. Some of you might have been uh, attacked by that gift while you've been here in church. But here's what happened in my own heart. I stood there looking at her. And the joy bubbles just started welling to the top because here's what I thought. My, lo- my wife is doing what she loves to do. That's love people. What about you? Have you figured out you might not be good at hugging total strangers? Most of us aren't. But what is it that God's put in you? I guarantee you one way to find out what your sweet spot is is look for the place where you experience the most joy. Because your place of joy will be your place of gifting. And you know what? When you're moving in fruitfulness and you're being a blessing to people and a blessing to the Lord, there's no greater joy than to figure out your purpose, why you're here, what is your meaning, what is your destiny, and then to be about your father's business. If you're looking for joy, that's where you find it, doing what he created you to do with excellence. So we're fathered, we're favored, we're fruitful. But how about this one? God calls us his friends. That is stunning. Because you kind of remember if we reverse the story, the reason we're here this morning is because when we were enemies and God-haters and wanted nothing to do with God, God decided to give the very best gift that he had, the gift of his only son, whom he loved very much, to come to this earth and to be Emmanuel, God with us, to come near to us, to take up this flesh and blood, and I love the way the Message Bible says it, to... uh, to take up residence in our neighborhood. 
Jesus came to hang out in our hood and to be just like us so that he could show us the love that God has for us. And Jesus says this, I don't call you enemies, I call you friends. I mean, you know, there's no greater gift you can have this morning than to be a friend of God, to be loved by God. You're not a slave, you're not a servant. Your sons and your daughters and your friends. We're, we got a great father, we got great favor, we're moving in great fruitfulness, and we're friends. I mean, you know, for these things, the Bible says, your joy needs to be made full and complete and overflowing. The truth of God needs to get into our spirits so that we begin to meditate on these truths and it literally transforms us into joyful people. I believe that the purpose of our being united with Christ is that our joy, which is His joy in us, would be made overflowing. Now, let me just challenge you all this morning. Um, There are many, many people who grew up basically embracing the notion that joy is something optional for the Christian life. After all, life is hard. We're not supposed to run around, yee! Uh, We go through lots of troubles in life. We have lots of burdens in life. Am I speaking to the right crowd? And so joy is many times viewed as kind of an optional thing when life is good and God is good and we're feeling happy. But I just want to tell you this morning, joy is not the icing on the gospel cake. Joy is the cake itself. And and I want to build a case for that this morning. Joy is not optional. Joy is not, man, I hope to be joyful if if everything's going well and all my cards fall into place. That's not joy. In fact, I want to challenge you with this. One of the truest signs that we have a genuine union with Jesus Christ is that we move in the supernatural joy of God. How many of you know the people that are most like Jesus are the most joyful? And I'm going to establish this. You know, first of all, let me just back up again here too. Many times people say, Pastor, you know, if you're challenging me to be joyful, you don't understand the week I've had. Or some of you, this is a really, really hard season. Uh, Maybe this year you lost somebody in your life, in your family, uh, a death of a loved one. And I've been in that season when we lost both of our fathers. Um, Every holiday was a first. And and, and the first at Christmas without Dad, the first Easter, the first Father's Day. I mean, trust me, I get it. That, that That is a painful year. But the Bible says that we're sorrowful yet rejoicing. Isn't it amazing that in the midst of what life throws at us, the most difficult moments in life, there is a supernatural joy available for people who are united with Jesus. This is the promise of the gospel. And I want to encourage you, this is not a self-effort, you know, works thing. Some of you are going, oh man, pastor says I got to be joyful now or I'm not really united with Jesus. Oh, I'm going to really try hard to smile and be nice. How many of you know you're setting yourself up for total failure if that's going to be your approach? Listen to me. This Christian life is supernatural. We can't do it. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing including being joyful. So how in the world are we supposed to be joyful? Well, let me remind you of this amazing passage in John 15 that Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the... Here's the question we should be asking. If I'm supposed to be joyful, is the vine joyful? This is a really great question. Is the vine joyful? Because remember we said this, everything in the vine, Jesus exists for the benefit of the branches, which means everything that we have that's good and true and, and the fruit of the Spirit and the, 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 everything that is virtuous that we get comes by virtue of what? By our union with Jesus Christ. 
So I'm asking you this question. If we are commanded to walk in the joy of the Lord, then we better hope our vine's got some joy. Is this making sense to anybody? I better hope whatever I'm connected to has joy or else I'm hopeless, all right? I'm going to be cut off and thrown in the fire because there's not going to be in the fire there's not going to be any joy coming out of my life. This is what the Bible says about Jesus, our joyful vine. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1, 8 and 9, God anointed Jesus, pouring out the oil of joy on Jesus more than anyone else. I got, you guys got to hear this. Who was the man of sorrows acquainted with grief and suffering? Who was that man? Jesus. Jesus went through more grief, sadness, sorrow, attacks than any human being that ever lived. And yet I want you to hear this. In the same person, in the same body, at the same life, Jesus moved in supernatural joy more than any human being who ever lived. When you think of Jesus, you better see him with a smile on his face or you got the wrong guy. Some of you need to hear this. Why do sinners like hanging out with Jesus so much? I'm going to give you a a sophisticated theological answer. Because he was fun. Because he had a smile on his face. No one likes to hang out with grumpy people. No one wants to be around people that aren't happy. And can I just tell you something? The reason heaven is going to be heaven is because the Son of God's dad is happy. When he looks at us, he's going to say, Welcome! It's not going to be, Oh, i got to stand before God. I'm so afraid. When you take a look at the Son of God's eyes blazing with fire and love towards you, you'll be sucked into the vortex of God's love. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? How do you resist that kind of love? How do you withstand that kind of affection? Jesus, the happiest being in the universe, is divine. Therefore, if I'm connected to him, what should be coming off of this guy? Joy of the Lord. In fact, let me build the case even further. One of my favorite verses for this time of year is Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Not even for this time of year. It might be, if you said, Pastor, what's your all-time favorite verse? This one's creeping up there in a hurry. Here's why. Because it's so powerfully succinct in what it says in, in an economy of words. There is so much truth here. Look, look at what Luke 2, uh, verse 10 says. This mighty angel shows up who appears to the shepherds bringing good news that brings great joy to all people. Say that with me. Good news, great joy, all people. That right there is the gospel. The gospel is good news, and you can't even share it right without a smile on your face. Have you ever figured out some people, the reason we wonder, why don't people come to know the Lord? I just don't understand. Look in the mirror. Hey, man, you want to get saved? What? Saved from what? Saved from you? Yeah, I want to get saved from you. This is the greatest news to hit planet Earth. And we need to let our faces know it. And here's that. It's the good news of great joy. Great joy. How many of you know people are all looking for the same thing? 
If I asked you today, if we had to find common ground with everybody on planet Earth, and I asked you what is the one thing every single human being shares, this would be the answer. Doesn't matter what country you come from, what ethnicity you are, what personality type you are. I mean, listen, listen carefully. What is the one thing we, all, we are all pursuing? We all want to be happy. Have you ever met anybody that wants to be miserable? They just, please, I just don't, don't bother me. I just want to be miserable today. I promise everybody going, yeah, yeah, I got some family members like that. No, we're not. Every single human being lives for one reason. They're pursuing that thing out there. Many of them haven't found it, but whatever that is, it would make them happy. The gospel is good news of great joy. It answers the, the, the cry of every single person's heart. And notice this, it's for everybody. It's for everybody, no matter where you go in, on planet Earth, in the great cosmos, everybody's looking for the same thing. Good news of great joy for all people. Now can I just say this, this present world, I get it, it's still cursed with sin, it's still cursed with sorrow, it's still cursed with suffering, but I don't want to declare this today, it cannot diminish the joy that was born on Christmas morn. With Jesus comes grace, with Jesus comes hope, with Jesus comes redemption, and with Jesus comes happiness. That is the good news of the gospel. That's why Paul said, hey, we're sorrowful, we're going through some stuff, but we are always rejoicing because, listen to me, wherever you find Jesus, you find joy. The Bible says, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Isn't that beautiful? In your presence there is fullness of joy. Can I tell you all this? Where do you think we should find one of the highest concentrations of joy on planet Earth? In his presence is fullness of joy. Can I tell you this? One of the truest signs God is in your midst is the supernatural joy on God's people's faces and coming out of their hearts. When we're in the presence of Jesus, there's joy. Always, there's joy. This should be a place. You know, sometimes people come in, or I've heard people say this. You know, when I first came to Living Stones, I was kind of freaked out. And then they say something like this. You know, you know, it's just kind of scary. We're scary? Are you kidding me? But this is what, then they, then they keep, like we keep reeling them in. How could, you were scared, you were freaked out. Then we get to the point. I was freaked out because I had never seen so much authentic, passionate worship. That should freak people out. In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we come and we sing and we declare the praises of God, there should be that welling up inside of us of joy that is uncontainable, which is, you know, have you ever figured out, people don't go out on the street just singing everywhere they go. We look at those people like they're weird. Christians are some of the weirdest people because when we get together, we're always singing. Why are we always singing? Because singing is the way we express our joy. And if you don't express it, you'll kill yourself because you'll explode. You know, when we were singing in worship this morning, did anybody, when we were singing that last song, I felt like every pore in my body was going to, I, 
I just was going to be vaporized in the presence of God. And I hope you guys that have the headphones on back there that just like tune into me with not the music, you would have had a treat today because I was squealing and hitting notes that have never existed before. At some points, I tried hitting David's notes, and I, my voice couldn't get up there. And then, and then I started laughing at myself. I was so full of joy because I thought only God Almighty could find pleasure in what I'm offering right now. But he is finding pleasure in what I'm offering right now. Oh, my gosh. Look at what it says in Psalm 21, verse 6. It's a prophetic psalm. You have endowed him, Jesus, with eternal blessings and given him the joy of your presence. Ah, oh, I love this. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. As there is the most heat nearest to the sun, so there is the most happiness nearest to Christ. Oh, this is so good. If you want to find joy in happiness, press into the presence of Jesus. Let the Lord rock you. Let God's presence overwhelm you. Just surrender to his fathering in your life and let the joy of God begin to consume you. That's what I'm praying for all of us this year. The Bible says in Psalm 84, verse 10, For just as one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. I'd rather stand at the threshold in front of the gate beautiful, ready to go in and worship my God, than to live my life without you in the most beautiful palace of the wicked. Did you hear what David said? One day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. Oh, I love that so much. So what do we do when we come to worship the Lord? We just say that to him. We declare that to him. And our heart just wells with joy. You know, when we uh, uh, were out at the uh, cross outreach, Marion and I made a swing by uh, Chick-fil-A because a couple of our kids are employed over there. And we like to drop in and love on them and eat a chicken sandwich to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Anybody with me on that? And my daughter Caroline was out doing the uh, t- order taking outside. And she had her little vest on, her little safety vest, her little headset on. And she was up there with these little menus and getting everybody's order. And I looked at her and I thought, how cute is that? You know, look at her just doing that job and doing it so well. And here's what I had. I I waited for that menu order thing to get done because I didn't want to embarrass her. But inside of my heart, I had the most incredible joy going off as I looked upon my daughter and and. I, when she got done, I went up to her behind her. The cars were packed up, all right, in the parking lot. I embraced her. I kissed her. She said, oh, Dad. And I kissed her, and I almost wanted to embarrass her. I was this far from totally embarrassing her because this is what I was going to do. Hey, everybody, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. She is awesome, and she will take your order like none other, and she will do it saying it's my pleasure because she's at Chick-fil-A. All right. I was that far, but then I knew that might cause problems. She might really not like that, but what she did is she, she hugged me, and she said, Aw, Dad, thanks, and again, these are glimpses into what your Heavenly Father feels over you. Man, Joel's getting rocked with his little Capri. Man, you're hooked. You're running home, and oh, oh man, and you're looking at her, and here's what I love. God's re- messing with his heart. Because he's getting to experience the fatherhood of God, his, God's affection over him. Oh, this is so good. And can I just tell you that this union with Jesus was meant to be joyful. You know, 
I always go back to the mar- to marriage with my wife, and I'm going to back up here. How many of you heard Aunt Pastor Andrew's message last week? It was awesome. You got to hear. He basically said we need to respond to the grace of God, and we need to respond if for nothing else out of a sense of honor for what God has done for us. Are you with me? But can I just tell you, I'm going to take it a, a step even farther. Honor is great. Honor is necessary. Honor brings God glory. But let me just tell you something else. Joy is better. Joy is the fullest expression of honor. Let me show you what I mean. I could look at my wedding ring and say, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to my wife because out of a sense of honor, I pledged myself to her. But I could pledge myself to her while I'm looking at the wedding ring and still have a sense of resentment or anger or a lack of passion or joy uh, because of the status of our relationship. But I can stay committed out of duty and honor. But can I tell you something else that's higher? When I say, you know what, I not only am committed to you out of honor, I am committed to you out of delight. You bring me joy. I love being married to you. I am committed to you to the very end, and I'm going to pursue you and love you, and I am going to do it because I want to, not because I have to. You know, I know people that we prayed with at the altar before, and they've said a prayer and they've left believing that all's good with God. But how many of you know prayers don't save you? It's the prayer from a heart that is full of faith and full of surrender and full of repentance that saves you. There's a big difference. Some people are just looking for fire insurance. God's not after fire insurance. He's looking for a fiery relationship with you that's manifested in joy. He's looking for delight. I heard a couple theologians talking about what, what salvation was, and one of them brought up a chair, and he set the chair down, and he said, faith is not just believing that the chair will, will hold you, but faith is actually sitting in the chair and demonstrating that the chair does hold you. And everybody went, oh, that's good. But then the next theologian got up and said this, we need to take it a step farther. Because the person sitting in the chair cannot like the chair, can think the chair is kind of ugly and disgusting, and is only sitting in the chair because the chair provides the means by which they are saved. So it's not enough about sitting in the chair. You've got to think the chair is beautiful. Did you hear what I just said? It's not just believing in Jesus. It's finding Jesus beautiful. It's not just checking off the, the, the boxes. It's loving doing what he's called you to do. It's an internal change that brings about the transformation. You know, I, in my own life, some of you know my story. Bless my older kids' hearts, all right? I, I, I hope I'm getting to be a better dad as I go on. But earlier on in, in this walk with the Lord, I found myself at home, like many of you may can relate. I know this is true because we sit in counseling, we talk about this, or you go to marriage class and you hear it. But many of us as men, we deal with anger and impatience. And we walk around our houses with a scowl, and we're not very happy, and we're drill sergeants, and we're telling our kids to stand up and walk straight and clean your room. and all. We're, we're, we're good at all that, but we're not really good at manifesting the joy of the Lord. And uh, some of you know my story. That was where I was at, frustrated, angry, impatient. And I remember one time hitting the carpet in my basement after I had been impatient with one of my kids, and I kept thinking, why am I acting this way? Why, why did I respond this way? And I remember hitting the ground and just crying out to God 
and saying, Lord, change me. I don't want to be this way. You know, I was referring to Joel. I remember at a re-encounter where Joel was at the re-encounter, and Joel was just sharing a, a testimony. It was just a real intimate moment with our team. And, and I don't know if you remember this, but Joel said, through tears, he said, Dad, I, I just feel like I can never do anything right. Oh, I mean, you know, that hit me like an arrow in the heart. Because here's, here was the truth. I love my son, and I'm proud of my son. And the last message I wanted to communicate to any of my kids was that you can't do it right, and I'm frustrated with you. But he said, that's the way I feel. And I remember us embracing each other and me repenting and me looking at his face and saying, I love you and I'm proud of you and, and I find joy in you and I'm committed to you and all those things. But I had to say, forgive me because that's the last thing I want to communicate. Because you know what? What a disgusting thing to have your dad as a pastor who's not happy and he's supposed to be connected to the happiest man that ever lived. How many of you know that's hypocritical? I told the Lord, I said, I want to die with my tombstone saying, this guy was happy, all right? This guy died with a smile on his face. And I remember telling the Lord I wanted to change. And so here's the first way I started to change. I started being very conscious about walking around with a smile on my face. If for no other reason, it makes people wonder what you're up to, all right? I'm just telling you. (laughs) But I just determined... If I got to have a face, it might as well look good. And it doesn't look good when I have a scowl on my face. And I remember one time going out in public, and this is when I knew I was starting to change. This lady looks at me and she says, are you always smiling? And, of course, I don't always smile, but at that moment, it penetrated my heart, and I realized the very thing I asked the Lord for, this lady noticed that I was smiling. Now, we were just at Johnny's basketball game the other night, and here's the other thing. Guys, I encourage you to do this. When you're in public, hold your wife's hand like you're crazy about her and make people wonder what's up with you guys. So when we walk into the basketball game, I'm holding my wife's hand. We sit down in the bleachers because I want everybody to wonder, man, those guys act like they still like each other, all right? Um, we sit down in the bleachers, and I had met a lady one time the week before, and I, real sweet lady. I said, hey, I want you to meet my wife and my mom. She walks up to meet my wife and my mom, and this is the first thing she says. Is he always smiling? And, and here's what happened again. It was just like a kiss from heaven. Because listen to me, the joy of the Lord is not optional. The joy of the Lord is the best witnessing card that we have. The joy of the Lord is the best sign that we have that we're walking in union with Jesus. Because remember, the closer you are to the sun, the warmer it gets. The closer you are to Jesus, the more joy comes off your life. Because Jesus is the one with the greatest anointing of joy. And he came from the Father and he is the exact image of the Father. Jesus said, if you want to know what God's like, look at me. Can I tell you the greatest news that ever hit planet Earth? God is incredibly happy. And guess what he wants his church to look like? Happy. So when you come in here on Sunday morning, put a smile on your face if you haven't found it yet. You'll work yourself into it. 
You also make the devil mad because the joy of the Lord is our strength and the devil hates it when we're laughing and having fun when we're supposed to be miserable and depressed. But do it anyway. We want to treasure Jesus. We want to drink deeply from the pleasures of God. Psalm 34, verse 8. Look at Psalm 511. But let them all be glad, those who turn aside to hide themselves in you. May they keep shouting for joy forever. Overshadow them in your presence as they sing and rejoice. Then every lover of your name will burst forth with endless joy. This sounds like a romance to me. May they keep shouting for joy in your presence forever. Can I just tell you this? Our church has been called the shouting church, the yelling church, the rolling stones church. We've been called a lot of things. But can I just tell you this? When we corporately let out a shout of joy to God, we're acting very biblical. And can I just tell you something? While your neighbor might think that's kind of weird, God really likes it. So can I just tell you something? Don't focus on your neighbor. Focus on indulging your passion in Jesus. Because when God's people get together, there's supposed to be tangible joy. That's what the Bible says. How do we pursue this joy? I'm going to hit some quick areas. The river of joy is found on four paths, all right? First of all, the path of obedience. Follow quickly with me. All this joy is mine, the psalmist says, when? As I follow your ways. How many of you know you cannot walk in joyful obedience to God if you're just walking in rebellion all the time? You've got to obey the Lord. There's a great joy that comes when you know that you've done what's right. Look at Psalm 119, verse 2. What joy overwhelms everyone who keeps the ways of God, those who seek Him as their heart's passion. You know, when I go out in public, people know that I'm the minister, and that's the minister's wife. That's a scary thing, all right? Because most people, oh, there's the minister. What does that mean? Well, if they've been to most churches, that doesn't mean anything all that good because the minister is not usually noted for being the most joyful. And can I tell you something else? The minister's wife usually never gets that title placed on her because she's usually miserable. I don't want to be the minister and his wife. I want to blow people's minds. I want to demonstrate with my life that Jesus is the source of joy. So that's why I hold her hand. That's why we smile. That's why we smooch in public. Some of you guys are slow on that one. We should have had more amens. David, thank you. Preach. Come on. Marquita, go with it. Go with it. Go with it. He's being a godly man. Being a godly man. Keep smooching, David. Keep working on her. Here's the point. I want him to go, oh, there's the minister and his wife. Because here's what, here's, here's what we're demonstrating. That our lifestyle brings maximum joy. I just want to ask you. When people look at you, do what they come away with is those people know God. That's why they're always happy. Those people walk with God. Those people's guide is the Scripture. That's why they're walking in joy. You know, those people, we've watched those people. They, they've been through some tough times, but you know what? They always seem to bounce back. 
Nothing ever seems to keep them down. And you know what? You can't, you can't knock the smile off their face for long because they know God. Can I just tell you, all of our theology, all of our Bible studies, all of all the good things we do, all of our church attendance, all of our perfect attendance awards in Sunday school, they're nothing compared to one happy Christian. Because what good is it if everything you've lived for and studied for and given your life for cannot produce a smile on your face? The greatest way I honor my wife is not by telling her I'll stay committed. The greatest way I honor my wife is by looking her in the eyes and saying, I love you and you bring me incredible joy. The greatest way you thank Grandma for cooking that pie for Christmas is you eat that pie and after every bite you go, mmm, mmm, mmm. You pucker your lip. And then you're ready for this? You ask for a second piece. And you eat it for the glory of Grandma and for the goodness of God. Um, 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 um. You know what I love it is when we're worshiping here at Living Stones and our worship time comes to the end and I can just hear it in your voices. No, let's sing it one more time. It's like you're saying, give me just one more piece of that pie. You don't say, oh, I found that pie very delightful. No, you eat more of it. You eat it and you mmm and you ah and you wipe your lips and you get it all over yourself. You don't say that was wonderful. No, you don't do that. The path of obedience. Check this out. The way we pursue the joy of the Lord is by the path of God's promises. Look at Psalm 119. Your promises are the source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasure. Can you say that? I want to challenge you this this year as we're getting into the Word of God, staying in the Word of God. Your promises are the source of bubbling joy. You know, some of you have gone through loss. Some of you have gone through hardship. Some of you have attacks on your marriage, your family, other situations. Can I just tell you something? Get in the Word of God and let the Word of God cause joy to bubble in your heart because you're going to believe that what God says is true and it's coming your way. Restoration, healing, enlargement, whatever it is, believe the Word of God and let joy come forth from your spirit. You're simply saying, I believe what you say and not what my circumstances in life are telling me right now. The path of obedience, the path of God's word. How about this? The path of the promises of God. Psalm 119, 162. Your promises are the source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasure. I think I just read that. I think I read that out of of, of balance or out of order there. But anyway, it's good to repeat. Number four. The path of purity. The godly, the Bible says, are happy. Say that with me. The godly are happy. Say that again. The godly are happy. I have grown up in situations where those who were the most godly smiled the least, at least in their own minds. The ones who had been around long enough were really holy and they were reverent. They were mean. They knew the Bible like crazy, and they're mean. Where were you last Sunday, Kenny? Hallelujah. I was here. I was miserable, but I was here. Now, listen to me. Maturity 
is synonymous with joy. Maturity is synonymous with joy. Let's say it again. Maturity in God is synonymous with joy. If we're serious about moving toward Jesus, you cannot help but carry joy. So look in the mirror. I'm speaking to myself. I'm not preaching at you. I'm speaking. Look in the mirror. The most important thing you can put on before you come to church is not your tie. It's your face. And I will preach better if I'm looking at joyful people. It'll make me happy too, and you'll get a better message. Some of you, I got to cast devils out of you because you're tormented on Sunday morning, and there's no joy on your face. Get your joy on before you put your underwear on. That'll preach, all right. The godly are happy. I'm getting really happy now. Who knows what's going to come out of my mouth? The God- <laughs> Did pastor just say underwear on Christmas Sunday? <laughs> the godly are happy. They rejoice before God. And they're overcome with joy. Mm, This is good. I'm going to end with one last thought. This one's kind of heavy. Go to that next slide if you would, Rachel. The debt that we owe to the world is our joy in God. Let that sink in. The gospel is good news, which means you can't share it without a smile on your face, of great joy which means you get the message wrong if you're not sharing it with joy. And it's for everybody, which means this. you got to love everybody, and you got to share with everybody. And the love of God and the joy of God go hand in hand. A.W. Tozer said this, the Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. Charles Spurgeon said this, those who are the beloved of the Lord must be the most happy and joyful people to be found anywhere upon the face of the earth. Mm. Can I challenge us this year to provoke one another to supernatural joy in God? That when we come together and worship, trust me, I get it. Some Sundays you're under it. Sometimes your family's under attack. Your marriage is under attack. Joy seems a million miles away. But can you come into the presence of God among joyful people, and I tell you what's going to happen. You get radiation therapy. The joy of God comes off of the believers around you and it begins to fill your heart with hope. And when your heart is filled with hope, you start getting a smile back on your face. Can I encourage you men here today to do what I did and what I continue to do? You know what? If you've blown it, and there's not a guy in this room that's blown it as far as anger. Anger is the most devastating thing that we release into our marriages and our families, and there's not a guy in this room that's not been guilty of that at one time or another. You know what, I've had to go back to my children and humble myself and just say this, please forgive me. Please forgive me for my attitude or my tone. You know what happens when I say that to my kids? Usually they start crying. And then we start hugging. And then we start repenting. And then we start changing. And I'll just say this, my older kids say, Dad, you're not, as, you're not as hard on the younger ones as you were on us. Thank God. Thank God. 
I'm glad you older ones survived. I keep going to my old kids all the time. Hey, Dad was learning a few things. I screwed it up along the way. But you know what I was? And I want to encourage you to do this. I was a good repenter. Just be a good repenter. You don't have to be perfect. Just repent. Just repent. I've had to go to my wife. Some of you say, man, you know, your marriage, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I've had to be a good repenter because I've been a jerk. I've had to say, forgive me. I don't want to be this way. Forgive me. I'm still changing. I'm still moving in greater dimensions of joy because I just want, life is so short. Life is so short. I want to love well, and I want to carry the joy of God everywhere I go. That's why I tell people at our new members class, man, if you've got a list of things already you don't like about us, there's some great churches down the street. Because you know what? Life's too short. We're just going to love you, and we hope you can love us. We're imperfect. We'll just tell you that right now. We're still repenting. We're still trying to walk in the joy of God. But, but I am going to die with that on my tombstone, all right? There lies one happy dude right there. In fact, put a smiley face on my tombstone. Because I know that this is not icing on the cake. This is the heartbeat of what it means to be a lover of Jesus. And maybe revival tarries. Because the church is not full of the joy of the Lord. Maybe our best drawing card is not going door to door and arguing with people about why they need to get saved and beating them over the head with the Bible. Maybe our best drawing card is actually like smiling at people when we're in public and communicating that we might like them just a little bit. Maybe if people knew that they were loved and that we communicate that with our face, we'd have a lot more people wanting what we have to offer. I think a lot of folks see Christians being really angry and harsh and mean people. Can you help us change that? All right. Can we help change that in our community? Great joy, good news, great joy, all people. That, that's, that is the message of Christmas. And without joy, you lost the message because you can't share good news without a smile on your face. Stand to your feet with me. I want to pray with you. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, would you guys mind if we indulge? I don't even know if the worship team is still here. Is everybody still here or just you? I mean, not that we don't love you. They're all over the place. They're all over the place. Hey, you re- I may appreciate this young lady right here. She's amazing. They're gone, aren't they? Can you lead us in one of those songs by yourself? I can't. I need a microphone. You need a microphone. Yeah, you do. I, can I hold it for you? like David, can, come on, David. Don't be holding back on us. Come on. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's Christmas. I think it's fitting that we just... Go out of here with a song of joy on our lips. And I'm just going to give you all a chance to practice. Can you all practice? Can you all practice with me? I'm trying to. You were hiding too. What were you doing? Get up here. This guy. Look at all. They're coming out of the woodwork now. Hey, could we? I know I'm the pastor, so I get to ask special requests. Hey, that last song we sang where I was squealing and it was really ugly. Can we just... And we had that electric guitar thing going on there, too. Did our electric guitar guy go? What do you know at the electric guitar guy? Anyway, we are going to go out declaring the greatness of our God. And here's what I want you to do. Sing with a smile on your face.
I know this is like chewing gum and walking at the same time for some of you folks, but let's sing with a smile on our face, and let's give the Lord what he really is after, and that's the joy of our hearts, expressing our gratitude to God. Marriage class at four, hey, when the song ends, you're free to love on each other. In fact, if you've got to get somewhere right now, feel free to slip on out. But let's worship the Lord as we get our, work our way out of here today.